This is Negotiate X Podcast, show number 52, part B. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Negotiate X podcast. We are continuing our conversation with Tony Blauer, founder of the world's leading self-defense and combative training and consulting company. If you haven't already checked out part A of this show, be sure to do that first. Now let's jump into the conversation with Tony. I think we hear from a lot of, you know, a lot of folks that fear creeps into their negotiations and they get very fixated on a single action or two and even how they're thinking about success kind of gets narrowed. How do you teach the self-awareness? I mean, how do I increase and prevent myself from getting like in the moment when my, you know, I'm in my kind of fight or flight response mode. And I mean, how do I avoid from just zeroing in, taking the wrong action, you know? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And you're going to hate my answer and love it at the same time. In 1980, when I was interviewed in Blackwell Magazine, I said to them, there should be as many self-defense systems as there are people practicing self-defense. And the editor was like, hmm. what? I said, yeah, you're an ectomorph. I'm a mesomorph. You were, you had an amazing childhood. I was abused. Uh, my brother beat me up. Uh, you were a golden glove boxer. Everything influences how we relate to conflict and confrontation. To say that this style is going to solve this or that is, is erroneous, which is why it still is. Like even here, 40 plus years later, I'm still coming up with new ideas and new, something happens in the news and we're working on it and going, okay, here's a new way to think about this. Violence is changing. Like the palm strike hasn't changed, but how do we manage violence changes? You know, uh, I know what I could do, but I don't know what I would do if I have good self-awareness. You know, so to come back to that question, and I'll give you one more metaphoric example that's real. I've trained a lot of fighters. And I remember I, I've interviewed victims of violence. It's one of my things, like, because I can't experience everything. So, you know, you were raped, you were abducted, someone tried to murder you, uh, you were in a gunfight. And I would ask people, well, because I wanted to make sure that my intuition and the system resonated. And, and I've done stuff with tier one military, like full-time SWAT teams, military, victims of violence. I've never had anybody go through our training and said, that was that that wasn't real because I always I always built it from primal gross motor physiology and psychology. It was never like you should move like this. It's like oh you're going to move how you move and what's important to you when you're ten changes when you're twenty changes when you're thirty changes when you have kids changes when you start your business. So when you're twenty two, someone cuts you off and you're like, and now you get your kids in the back of the car and you're like, you still got that like little impulse of anger and maybe you hit the gas for a second. Then you go, what am I doing? Got my family in my car. Just chill out, right? You diffuse yourself. That's a self-awareness piece. Now, someone could say to you when you're 18, 
let me talk to you about self-awareness and self-regulation and state awareness. And they're like, shut up, old man. I got this. I'm invincible, right? So why I say you hate and love the answer is the real answer is if I'm at a conference with you and you go, Tony Blower is going to talk about self-awareness and we've got a 22-year-old entrepreneur there and a 52-year-old entrepreneur, they're going to relate and absorb the information completely, completely differently. Absolutely. But the reality is this. I am very comfortable public speaking. And I've done stuff. There's, there's one story I always talk about where I was doing something for the Airline Pilots Association. They had flown me out. And I'm dealing with like, like 50 representatives from 50 states, a class of 50. They say, hey, can we extend your stay? Can you talk to the General Assembly? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't even ask like who it is or what it is. And they go, like, can you talk for like 45 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll try to not talk for five hours, but I'll talk for 45 minutes. Then just before they go, hey, the guy before you is going a little bit long. Can you cut it down to about 20 minutes? Wow. Okay. Geez, <laughs> 20 minutes. Okay, cool. And then it's like, oh, by the way, no swearing. I'm like, no, really? <laughs> and they go, also, it's being broadcast live. CNN and Fox are here. Uh, they're doing a little clip here. So you're going to be on live TV. You'll have an earpiece. I'm like, like, okay, what am I doing? Who's this? And I'm like, I haven't even looked at There's 500 people in this general assembly for this airline pilots association thing. And it's live TV. And they cut my talk to 20 minutes. And I'm like, like right now, just describing it to you, my physiology is changing. Uh, yeah, I imagine. Right? I got, I got goosebumps right now. And I remember picking up my phone, calling my wife going, holy <laughs> I'm <laughs> I go, listen. I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about. I like I'm like I'm sweating, I'm freaking out. Thank God I'm wearing a black polo because I'm like dripping wet right now. She goes, just start talking, you'll be fine. I go, no, you don't understand. Like this time I'm gonna blow it. She goes, why would you say that? How could you say that? Listen to what you do. I go, no, like it's 500 people, it's live TV. I can't swear. I, I can't warm up the audience. I'm not gonna juggle and pull a rabbit out of a hat. Like I'm She goes, do you know how many times you've called me and said this? Uh, just a couple. Just start talking, you'll be fine. So I go up and it's fine. And I call her up after, that's so amazing, I wish it was recorded. <laughs> but we work ourselves up in the moment. So the self-awareness piece, like now, and I'll give you an example. So that was like, that was 1990, 1993. When the, when the pandemic happened, all my training was live, like all our force on force. All, all our high gear suits stopped because everyone stopped training. And within about three months, I realized I was going to lose my company, lose my house, lose everything. And I'm sitting here at 60 years old. And it was like somebody shoved a vacuum up my ass, sucking out my insides. I was like literally in my office doing this because it was like two weeks to flatten the curve. And the 35 courses got canceled over the next two months. That was hundreds of thousands of dollars but all our all our stuff is external we didn't have any digital assets we didn't do stuff online and i'm looking around going i'm gonna lose everything i gave myself 24 hours to mourn and feel bad and feel sorry for myself that i didn't prepare for the pandemic before the pandemic i called up my team the next day i said the people who manage their fear manage to fight you guys know the drill I go, you can't solve a problem if you are the problem. You don't know that you're the problem unless you have self-awareness. 
right now I'm freaking out, although I look very stoic. Guys, uh, we need to figure shit out. What are we going to do? We need new websites. We need digital programs. I'm going to start calling. And we always had a very cerebral uh, program, and we have a very, you know, we're one of the most respected groups uh, teaching consultancies in the world. So I could call, like within a month, I was doing like 10-hour Zoom calls with the Australian Federal Police and all their trainers, businesses. Google actually called me to do some work with some of their people. It was very funny, like, because I, I thought it was a joke at first. And so <laughs> I said, hey, how'd you find me? Did you Google me? And it was very funny. <laughs> we hear that all the time. But what's my point about this is to tie it to your story. I'm in my garage gym right now. And uh, I'm talking to a buddy of mine who's very, very uh, successful in the fitness space. He's got a protein company, uh, online training. So he's set. He's fine. His name's Steve Weatherford. And he go, I, I go, dude. I'm going to lose everything if I don't figure something out. He says, aren't you kind of like a famous self-defense guy? I said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, well, how many people would want to train with you online who can't? Hmm. I said, I've got 150 people watching me work out every day on Zoom. He says, I don't charge them because they're part of my community already. He says, why don't you do that? So I, here's what I did. And this is the point. And, and maybe uh, hopefully this touches somebody listening to this. I had a choice between filming me going... Guys, Coach Flower here, and I got this great opportunity. Or I came on, I said, hey, guys, I need your help. I am in the fear loop right now. I am at the risk of losing everything. I'm going to start, and I, and I explained what I was going to do. I had 100 people sign up that week because I just told the truth. And what I'm talking about is the self-awareness, knowing your audience, knowing your, your, what your message is and what your method is. Yeah. So I would tell people, the self-awareness piece, like when I started all this, I remember saying to my wife before the first class, and this is now we're at class 470 in a row since the pandemic. I make more money online than I do teaching live. And I just, I just finished a class this morning. But I've got people from all over the world that tune in to get educated and everything. But the fir very first class, half hour before the class, I'm walking around the house, I'm pacing. My wife says, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm so nervous. And she says, how could you be nervous? She says, you're the best spear system instructor in the world. You love coaching. You can't catch COVID on Zoom. <laughs> Why are you nervous? And I said, two things. I started this company teaching out of garages, and I might save the company teaching out of my garage. That full circle, would, again, goosebumps. And I said, and I need this to work. Because if it doesn't work, We've got a very, very big problem. So I was able to, to my self-awareness said, you're anxious. But instead of pretending I wasn't, right. I was able to, the self-awareness allowed me to peel the onion and go, what exactly am I afraid of? And that's one of the things that I, that I teach. So when we do, I love that you guys see the connection between the psychology of fear and negotiation. You guys remember the name Iggy Pop? Yes. So Iggy Pop was a punk rock guy from, from the UK, different generation. But his, I share this at every business seminar. I go, Iggy Pop said, imagine if desperation were attractive. Imagine if desperation were attractive. So imagine you and I are about to go on a date and I go, hey, I'm so glad we're going on a date. I hope it works out because I really want three kids and I want to live happily ever after. <laughs> and, I'm, and you're like, whoa, I, I don't even know your last name yet. <laughs> this might work out, but I'm going to say no right away. Because desperation is never attractive. Right. 
So if you can't manage your fear, can you manage the fight? And the fight is the metaphor for my tactical presence, my facade, my energy. So if I'm going, if I walk in there and I go, if I'm done, if this deal, I'm going to get fired if this deal doesn't happen. I'm not going to make my quota if this deal doesn't happen. And it's really interesting, the success we've had working with different people, getting to realize that because there are some places that you could do what I did where I could come in and imagine if I started off, I just did a podcast recently where the guy was so nervous to talk to me because he was a lifelong martial artist and he couldn't believe I said yes to his podcast. So I said to him, I go, listen, man, take a deep breath and just acknowledge that you're afraid and it's making your voice quaver and you're not talking, you're thinking carefully, so you're going to f*** the show, right? So don't do that. You're good. You're cool. It's okay to be nervous. There's lots of things in life you need to be nervous about and you still need to do the thing you're nervous about. If you wait till you're not nervous, that window of opportunity is gone. Never move. So, but there's a balance, right? You got to know who your audience is because I've gotten up on stage or like my first class, I came in, I go, guys, I am a fear management expert. You all know my, my background, my history, right? And they're all like, yeah. I go, I'm scared right now. Can you tell? <laughs> and they're like, what? But I know exactly what I'm afraid of. And it's not my skill set. It's because I'm visualizing the future and it's impacting how I'm thinking in the present. But now that I've said that, I can focus on the beginning of this speech. So there's a time when you can actually say that to your audience. Hey, guys, like I'm, I cannot believe that I'm talking in front of so-and-so and so-and-so. I am so nervous right now. If I pass out, who here knows mouth to mouth? Preferably, <laughs> you know, like. I would rather it be from that beautiful woman over there instead of you, sir. <laughs> like you're telling a joke and now suddenly you realize, okay, the audience is cool. They're nervous too. I'm nervous. Let's start talking. And then there's a time when, you know, telling people you're nervous might backfire. And I think something that you said there kind of sparked a lot of thoughts, kind of going back to my military days and applying self-awareness. And I think that it's important for the leader to help his or her people understand their self-awareness by doing realistic training, which is what you focus on. And then by providing that feedback, I always think about this medic that I had it wasn't in Ranger Regiment, but it was after, and I'd used a lot of the skills I learned in Ranger Regiment, a lot of the realistic training. And I had this medic who just thought he was hot. And so he, um, was great. You know, during the day, he'd be able to teach guys every time he hit the vein was phenomenal. However, we did this night training because we're getting ready to deploy to Iraq. And um, this night training, it was, a, it was a long movement to get to the objective. I'm the company commander, so I'm just the observer and I'm just kind of overseeing this. And generally as a company commander, your younger soldiers are a little nervous to be around you because they don't want to say anything stupid to get them in trouble or anything like that. And so, but I'm observing him and I really wanted to put the pressure on him. So we had a casualty, it was like a scenario-based casualty, go down, he's already sweating, he's exhausted, and he's got nods, no lights, and I make him stick him with the live needle to start pushing fluids before they move him to actually get exfilled. Uh, so basically taken away on a helicopter. In his ear, I'm like, if you don't stick him, he is going to die. Like just trying to make it the most uncomfortable realistic scenario where your heart's racing he's just fumbling with the needle now this the you know this action that he used to do so well and after you know a few misses he finally gets it 
tapes it down and they're able to move them out. And so it's that realistic training that he realized, okay, there are a lot of scenarios that I'm not as good as I think I am. I need to go back and work on that stuff. So I think that's kind of a lot of stuff that you talked about and a lot of things that the scenarios that you provide just by being a coach, just by providing those realistic scenarios, just by providing that feedback that you're helping people become self-aware, even if there's a million flavors to what that actually means for people. So just made me think of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there's layers, there's layers and there's, there's times to do it. And so, you know, what you did for him ultimately saved somebody's life downrange at a, at a later time because he could draw on like I had this, I've had this pressure before I know what to do here at the same time there's there's the the recipe for success is also the recipe for disaster if you're rushing something and and you've got to know and this is so so a really good leader can demystify fear but knows also capacity potential. I can push this person. And I, I believe in their capacity potential connection because you can push someone, of course, scar them and ruin them. Uh, and a lot, of people, a lot of people do that. So it's a delicate thing. And this goes back to what I said earlier that you know, what's important when you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 changes, but that's also like the bedrock of somebody's skill set, their competency. You know, if, if you don't even know how to hold a gun and I throw you into a force on force exercise, you know, with simunitions or UTM or paintball and freak you out, like that might be your lifelong PTSD for a gunfight because I didn't even teach you, you know, weapon handling first. So there's a there's a protocol on before you throw somebody in the deep end, which obviously, you know that. So Tony, one of the concepts that we teach in negotiation, we call we call it negotiation jujitsu. It's it's a concept of when we are dealing with a very hard bargainer, somebody who's just being a jerk or using, you know, difficult tactics, maybe even you know uh, malicious sort of activities, and we use their momentum and direction against them. The first step is don't react. We talk about stepping to the balcony really kind of self-awareness. How am I showing up? What's my goal? What's my aim? And then the next step is what is it that they are doing and why? How does that fit into what you teach in terms of you've talked about self-awareness? How does the understanding of this other person and what they're trying to accomplish and how can we get better at maybe observing or identifying what the other person's trying to do? There's a few things I want to say there and I hope I, I remember them all. You know the expression, the pen is mightier than the sword? Yeah. So I modified that back in the 80s. And I changed it to the, the pen is mightier than the sword when you know how to use a sword. And what that means is I'll talk, I'll negotiate, I'll even write you a letter. But if this thing blows up, I'm okay with that too. And I think that is very relevant for business and relationships. And that is, I, I want this to happen. Let's say relationship. I want to fix this. And if it doesn't, I'll be fine. I'll be sad. I'll be hurt, but I'll be fine. I want this business to work. I want this deal to work, but if it doesn't, I'll be fine. And I think the ability to impose a situational awareness slash self-awareness optic 
on the scenario needs to have at its base this idea that you'll be fine. So if I'm negotiating with you and if you don't say yes, in my mind, my wife's going to leave me. I'm going to be fired. I can't support my kids. Then suddenly we, we unconsciously, I'm Iggy Pops quote. Hey man, look, what, what do I need to make this deal happen? Right. And if you say, look, this guy's being a bully because that's his, that's his school training. Hey, here's how the deal is going to go. Right. And he's just being and everything. I've done deals, big, big deals in the past where I was so excited with the size of the company and who they were. And it was such a nightmare after such a nightmare during that I actually like in, in, in some of my, my, my business talks, there's one thing a lot of people don't know. I don't talk about it a lot is in 2010, my company did $12 million domestic. I had a dozen employees. I had a 21,000 foot facility and it was taken from me by a corrupt CEO and a, my former partner, they did a deal behind my back and violated every fiduciary obligation and all that. And they were just, there was just too big and it was a nightmare and there was so much going on. I just dissolved, I dissolved the company and I went from making a lot of money on Friday to like zero on Monday and had to rebuild everything. Wow. And I say that because when the dust settled and I rebuilt everything bigger and better, I got asked through different communities, hey, would you come talk to these entrepreneurs, to these business people? And if so, what would you talk about? And I go, well, how about like a world-renowned self-defense expert who teaches self-awareness and situational awareness, how I violated everything that is fundamental to self-defense and how I lost my company by not paying attention to pre-contact cues, not having the courage to go, hey, why did you guys change the name of the holding company here? Why, why this doesn't make sense here? Why is this patent being put into this, this person's name? Oh, this is for this, this is for this. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want to investigate it because I couldn't believe something was happening. And that's the denial every victim of violence who lived to tell the tale said, I knew every victim of violence, every victim of violence and this could be violence in business, like a hostile takeover, a relationship, any, everyone knows, and every one of you, have you ever been screwed in business? Yes. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend or a loved one? Yes. Did you ever say to somebody after, you know, I knew that was going to happen? Yes. Our intuition is undefeated, <laughs> but we don't have the courage or the will or the strategic insight to listen to our in intuition. This is a big part of our, our program. If I got a bad feeling about something now, I go, okay, I got to investigate this. I'm not going to pretend everything's okay. I want to get ahead of the danger, right? Left a bang. I want to get, I, I, I want, I want to understand stuff uh, super early. So, you know, this whole idea, and I'm hoping this make this makes sense. In order for you to say, I'm okay if this deal doesn't happen, that's the only way that you can, if you've got a few different negotiation styles, be that chameleon. I'm not a chameleon when I negotiate. I, like I'm just myself, I go, hey, listen, I really want to do this. Right. Here's the proverbial win-win, uh, blah, 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 blah. Because if you understand fear and psychology, like I've said to people who are doing the, you know, I was uh, talking to this one guy and he, every time he, he gestured, he touched my arm. Have you ever had yes. like that person? That... <laughs> Unfortunately, I might be that person, but go ahead. <laughs> but if it's a tactic to create rapport 
and somebody has good self-annoying, it's annoying. <laughs> right. It's annoying. Right. But if if you're like, oh my God, and you like, oh, this is so exciting. If it's truly emotive, it's natural. So it's got to be congruent. Right. So, but I was in this this business meeting, and this guy goes, "Well, here's what we do." And he, I'm leaning on the table like this, talking to him, and he touched my forearm. And after like the fifth time, I said, "Hey, I need you to stop touching my forearm. I know it's part of this negotiation personality ethic protocol. Every time you say so, but it, like because I know that, then I know you're just trying to manipulate me. It's annoying. Just talk to me. We'll be we'll be fine." And he was like, "Off, oh, like flustered because that's what it was, right?" But I tell you this, it's like that Spider-Man quote that I don't remember, you know, with, with great power comes great response comes. Yeah. Responsibility. So self-awareness is also like, like a, that can screw things up for you too. Because most of the people who you're talking to don't have that self-awareness. It's a very delicate thing where, where, uh, where I say, slow, Hey, slow down, Aaron. Let's talk like I'm, you're talking, first of all, you're at a 10. I need you to come to a seven. And I need you to step back six inches. That is not going to work on me. And obviously, that's not a good bedside manner to say that. But just to give you an example, like if that person doesn't know that they're even doing that, like and we've all had arguments with people who they have no self awareness. You can't, you can't go anywhere. So it's an interesting thing. I would say this, and I hijacked the conversation and turned it into this is if you work for somebody and you're not an entrepreneur, like for example, my team, they'll sometimes go do a presentation and I'll say to them, obviously we want this deal. Obviously I want you to hit a home run and knock it out of the park. And if I didn't think you could do it, I wouldn't send you, I'd go. So don't f this up, you're fired. <laughs> you know, and they laugh and I go, listen, this would be great for business, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Not a big deal. If I thought it was so risky and needed to be finessed so much, I'd be going and you'd be shadowing or co-presenting, but I know you can do this. And if it, and if they go, hey, I can't, no, 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 you know, but what I'm talking about is you talk about that, that leadership thing of, I know that they've got fear. I had a guy doing a class online for me. His name's uh, Dave. He's a professional stuntman. He's been in big shows, big movies, you know, falling out of buildings on fire, you know, like you know, falling off horses and crazy shit. Uh, was, he lives in Ireland. He's been a bouncer for, for decades. He's been in tons of street fights. Uh, he's been a lifelong martial artist and he's, and he's, a, he's a, on my mobile training team. So this is the first online course he's going to do. And I text him. On WhatsApp, I go, Dave, how do you feel? Are you ready for the course? He goes, he says, coach, I'm so nervous. I go, it's so cute that you're nervous. You've been in like 500 street fights. You've competed in martial arts, and now you're afraid to do something online via Zoom. I go, why are you nervous? He goes, because I don't want to let you down. I go, good. That means you care, and I care too, and you would not be doing this if I thought you would screw it up. Just be yourself and have fun. Now, if Dave didn't know it was okay to talk to me about his fear, he'd have just lied and said, I'm great, I'm ready to go. But he knew he was afraid. I knew, he, I knew he was. I made him talk about it and we didn't dance around what it is. He went right away, I don't wanna let you down. Just like when I, when I, I started the, the, the online training, I knew exactly what I was nervous about. 
and that allowed me to talk about it. Elephant in the room, guys, let's talk about this. You want this deal, I want this deal. If it doesn't happen, we're both going to be okay. You know that. So let's see if we can make it happen. And now suddenly all the games are over. Tony, I, on your website, it says, learn how to face fear, understand it and control it. Learn to change your mindset, improve your communication, enhance your performance, inspire your family, friends, and peers. When you change how you look at fear, you change everything. You're a father. I'm a father. I got six kids. Wow. When do you start teaching these concepts, training these concepts, particularly around self-awareness, facing fear? When do you start working with kids on this stuff? I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Go either way. I thought you were going to say like, so when does fear stop? Right. And I go yeah. like, like, you know, like it doesn't as a parent, you know, I don't care how old your kids are, you know, but that's an amazing question. And I'll tell you what's, I, I did not anticipate you asking me that because I pull out, I've got a, a handwritten letter from a 10 year old kid. Two years ago, you might've noticed I have one or two tattoos. My buddy, Aaron from Ghost Tattoo in Vegas, shameless plug for Aaron. He calls me up, he says, hey man, my kid who's a great kid is starting to demonstrate, exhibit signs of anxiety. The masks, Vegas, masks everywhere playing sports in masks, not seeing anyone smile mm. and his behavior is changing and it's freaking me out as his dad. And he said, cause I have a, I have a, an, we do live, of course, no fear programs, but we have a digital course for people who can't bring us in and work with us. And, uh, he says, is it too old for him? And this was my answer. I said, I don't know your son. I hadn't met him at the time. I said, I don't know your son. The kid's name is Salem. He says, but I know you and the program's not too old for you. And you're his dad and you're his coach and you're his mentor. Uh, I don't want to get political here, but but our, our school system is a mess. And you don't need him being influenced by, by there. And maybe he's got to go for some classes, but you might need to be looking into what you need to undo and course correct at home. So he gets the No Fear program. And I'm back a month later. I go to get some more work done. And he goes, oh, oh, before we start here, and he hands me a piece of paper. When's the last time one of you guys got a handwritten letter? I don't, I don't know. I almost want to go, uh, go, go dig it out of my office and, and, and show it to you. But it's a handwritten letter from this kid, Salem. And it says, uh, dear Mr. Blower. And he goes on, like one of, our, one of our, our, our expressions that I make people, and I make a joke, I go, this will be your next tattoo. But it's the line, you can't be brave if you're not afraid. Hmm. You cannot be brave if you're not afraid. The primary ingredient that fuels courage is fear. If we remove fear, there's no courage needed. Both of you have jumped out of airplanes, right? Or do you guys like jumping out of airplanes <laughs> or do you not? No. It's awful. Okay, but listen, right? So listen. Both of you are qualified to do it when you are when you had to do it. And I, I tell the story, I love telling the story. I was down at Fort Bragg working, working you know, with the big boys. Uh, and uh, we meet on Saturday to discuss the course during the week. And then after the meeting at a coffee shop, one of the guys says, hey, you want to go jumping this afternoon? And I know what he means. And I go like this, like, like this, like up and down with my fingers on the table. He goes, ha, ha, ha. He goes, no, skydiving. I said, yeah, I know. I said, hold on a sec. Oh, my afternoon, I'm booked. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. He goes, oh, aren't you Mr. Nez air quotes? Aren't you Mr. Fear Management? 
And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm managing my fear by not jumping out of the airplane. <laughs> and so he laughs, but the guy beside him laughs the nervous laugh that you two have. This guy's an adrenaline junkie. I go, he's got like over 600 jumps. He goes whenever he can. But I knew this guy was in the same unit as him. They both are qualified to jump out of an airplane, but one guy hates it, one guy loves it. What's the difference? The guy who loves it doesn't need any courage to jump out of the airplane. The guy who doesn't like it needs fear management. That's the fuel for courage, okay? Oh, fuck, parachute, please, <laughs> right? Out, right? And so this line, you can't be brave if you're not afraid, is so powerful. Here's this, this letter from a 10-year-old kid, handwritten. Dear Tony, thank you for the No Fear program. Thank you for uh, uh, the opportunity for my dad and I to work on this important program. It's so important for me to learn how to be brave so I'm not afraid. And as I'm reading it, I'm in, the, in this tattoo par parlor, I start to cry. Uncool and it's just an incongruent. I'm like, can you close the door, please? And I'm going, because what I'm thinking about, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. And I'm thinking, I remember one time in my life, I was so scared of something happened. And he said to me on the phone, seething through his teeth, don't be a wimp. Hmm. And it hurt me because I wasn't, I'd already been in fights. I'd already built my business. I'd already, and I was just dealing with something that I, that, that my parents hadn't prepared me for that no guardian had prepared me for. I was being vulnerable and I didn't need to be kicked in the nuts at that time. Right. And I started crying because I was thinking about how Aaron's vulnerability to say, I'm afraid for my son, can you help? Turned into an opportunity for him and his son to talk about fear, which is gonna change his son's life and change their relationship. Wow as father and son or mother, father, guardian. And that's my big mission now is to get this program into the hands of parents because it can't go into big tech and it can't go into schools as much as we'd like it to, because at the end of the day, the future of the world, if we look at what's going on right now, it's pretty grim. Fear has been weaponized. The only way that you can counter that is to understand fear to understand the psychology and neuroscience of fear, to go, wait a minute, I see what you're doing with this propaganda, or I see what you're doing with this threat. And the only way you can do that is to create self-awareness. That's our superpower. Self-awareness leads to critical thinking, and self-awareness and critical thinking augments situational awareness, where suddenly you go, ah, I see that, and I see that from a distance, and now I can triangulate on that. Thanks, Tony. So, dude, one, one last thing on that. So, you know, it depends on the parent and depends on the kid, but as soon as possible. It's ironic that, that you bring it up, and I'm so grateful that you did, because there's a professor named Glenn Sunshine who was a lifelong martial artist. This is the first slide in our No Fear program. It's an email that he sent me about 12 years ago. Never met this guy, never trained him. But in 1993, I released – this is how far ahead of the curve we were – in 1986, we released some videos through Panther Productions. And the, the first video was called Cerebral Self-Defense, The Mental Edge. It was all about de-escalation and self-awareness, that you can't defuse someone else if you can't defuse yourself. And then in 1993, we released an audio tape called Metacognition, The Mental Edge, 
and, and then a, an audio version of Cerebral Self-Defense, The Mental Edge. And this guy got these two audio tapes and he sends me this letter, like, again, like 12 years ago. And in a nutshell, I'm paraphrasing it. He's thanking me for helping him raise his children. And he says, your insights on the psychology of fear versus the fight, flight, freeze biology, the neurobiology, which is all relevant, but it's irrelevant if you don't know what's happening. And it's irrelevant if you can't self-coach yourself through the problem. That's the self-awareness piece and regulating state. And so he basically said, like, and I ended up interviewing him on our, our No Fear podcast. And he said, now that my kids are grown up, they're in their late 20s, 30s now, when I see them next to their peers that grew up in the same suburb as me, they are completely different in their life's accomplishments and how they handle challenges and how they handle obstacles. Hmm. And the only thing different that we did as parents with the group of parents that we all kind of like knew was you, the inclusion of your approach to fear management. Crazy, right? Huge. Yeah. And fear, fear seems to hide around every corner these days. So, well, it's everything. And if you like, if you change your relationship with fear, you change your mind. If you change your mind, you change your life. That's great, Tony. And Tony, let me be the first to say thank you so much for, for joining us on the negotiate X podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I loved really digging deep into, you know, self-awareness and really understanding everything like that. Aaron and I both love bringing on a diverse group of experts to basically be able to glean different things that we can use uh, to help teach other people how to be more effective leaders. And so with that, thank you again. I'm going to turn it over to Aaron. Yeah, Tony, I'm going to say thanks too. You know, this was, this was the fastest hour and 15 minutes that we've ever done with anyone. So thank you for that. And thanks for your insights. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to look into this program. I'll just say, because this is something I want uh, my kids and I want myself to be able to lean in and be, be more effective in. And so trying to go back and try to, you know, find one thing to quote you on. I just, you know, manage, manage fear, manage the fight. You know, if we can show up and be more effective because we're, we're more self-aware, I just think that's a, that's a powerful takeaway in any context, any situation, any of us are going to face. So thanks again. I, I thank you very much. I appreciate it guys. This, this is fun. And hopefully your audience gets something out of it. Absolutely. And, uh, people who manage, uh, their fear manage to fight. So thanks, Tony. With that, that is it for us on Negotiate X Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can get anything from Tony's website if you go to blowertrainingsystems.com and it has links to all of his other websites there. And you can connect with Tony, learn more about the No Fear program. So with that, thanks. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.